Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by, and we'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. But right now, you can give a call. Alex is here producing. He'll answer the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from. No, he says don't. He doesn't have to have where they're calling from, just your first name. You don't want to know where they're from? No. Oh, man. Everybody's proud of their hometown, Alex. (laughs) Everybody's from somewhere, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. So Alex will answer the phone. And Mr. Kelly. Yo. I was shocked at the amount of Halloween decorations we have in this place. Oh, of course. The third floor is full. I mean, it's unbelievable. The scary place to work. You aren't kidding. (laughs) I opened, came through the door, and there was this giant guy sitting on the table I oh, he's got the lantern? Yes. I know. I thought, oh. He's scary. I guess he's not really giant. He's a midget, but... Uh, a giant midget? Yes. It's like jumbo shrimp. <laughs> Are you decorating or dressing up? Oh, yeah. We decorated. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah. So that's all done, and then I take it down a couple days after Halloween. So. Yeah, you're done with it then. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I we've got a, a pot that looks like a cauldron, and for years I've been wanting to make a witch to stir the, and I haven't done it. Every year I was like, oh, we're going to make it this year. We're not going to do it. We let nature do a lot of our decorating. Uh, it, it's amazing that if you don't really dust, then right around Halloween, nature provides your your cobwebs. <laughs> I mean, why go out and spend money on cobwebs when it's it happens, right? True. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah that's we just let nature take care of it. Yeah, I was just totally shocked. Wait, I Sue's knew... calling. Hold on. Uh-oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just shocked. I knew last week there was some decoration, mm-hmm. but this week it seemed like it went over the top. And we had a potluck lunch yesterday too. Is that what that bowl of chili sitting there? Yeah. Oh, that looks scary. That's Halloweenish. Bewitching. Yes. For sure. <laughs> that macaroni and cheese stuff mm, sitting there. Been sitting out all night. That's the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes your decoration. Yes, exactly. Yes. All right. Well, have fun yep. and don't eat too much candy. <laughs> Very true. Or mac and cheese. <laughs> or that chili. I think I'm going to steal that chili and take it home. You, it might be pretty good. <laughs> Take it outside and dump it. <laughs> yeah, Saturday morning we get together and have a discussion about what's going on in your landscape. You can give us a call if you have any questions about not just your landscape, but how about uh, 
your potted plants and those tulips and daffodil bulbs, when are you going to get those in the ground or in pots? Can you still do any pruning and shearing? And are there still bugs out there? Oh, my goodness gracious. Aphids on stems of mandevilla vines? Yes, there were. I saw some. Using the information I'll share, my thoughts will help you orchestrate, hopefully, and solidify your options. Of course, with the final judgment of the action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player, as I said before, is Alex. He's producing, so I'll answer the phone. He just needs your first name. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you'd like for me to take a look around. I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, to the homepage, and that has my email address and phone number where I can be reached. And today, after the show, Chesterfield Bound, off Clarkson Road and Wilson. So anyway, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I kind of cheated on the Good Gardening Stroll, unfortunately. I, I have to admit it. But uh, during the week, I had my car repaired, and it was very near uh, a public or a, a community garden. So while my car was being worked on, I just took a walk through the neighborhood and then walked down to this place where I did the good gardening stroll. So there was uh, flowering pear trees, street trees, and the, <laughs> the amount of fruit on that tree was unbelievable. And as we have found out over the years, those flowering pear trees were spectacular. They were really planted, a lot of them, never realizing how invasive those fruits and everything were going to be. And so anyway, uh, unbelievable. But anyway, the tree looks pretty good, and it's pretty darn old, too. So it's, I mean, I didn't even see any fire blight or anything else on it, so looks good. But anyway, so along this sidewalk, though, there was one of those box exchanges where you put in books and offer them, and you can take some books yourself. And this was well-stocked as far as the amount of books that were in it. There was a pair of sweet gum trees with shade perennials underneath and some annuals as well. Coleus were still hanging in there. They were in flower. And uh, so this is kind of an interesting time this year as far as the cold not knocking down some of the plants that usually happens. There was a couple of piles of recently cleaned debris from the garden space, and that was piled up near the compost bins. There's picnic tables and benches and a stack of chairs which were offering you respite as you were walking around. Where is this? Well, this is at the corner of Actually, it's called <laughs> the corner of Kellogg Park Community Garden. And there was marigolds blended with haystacks and pumpkins and gourds. There's from fruit trees where some of the branches were being supported by some wooden stakes. And a seed library box. So that's the first time I've ever seen that. So people were putting, offering seed up and generally packaged seeds that were done professionally. I don't, I didn't see any that people just put in there themselves like castor bean seeds or anything like that. But uh, it was kind of neat to see that. I lifted it up and see what kind of seeds there was, and I was really surprised at the various types of seed that were in there. And uh, there was also, I mean, after the seed library, it leads to the individual planted plots. And there were some huge mums and ornamental grasses. The ornamental grasses had already been cut back. 
there was grapevines on an arbor. And back behind the grapevines and everything, there was some raspberries. And surprisingly, lemon balm was growing down on the ground. Cool season vegetables were dominating. Wispy asparagus was there. And uh, just it was really kind of neat. The Barker family was one of the plots. They had the top prize as far as my thinking goes. So they had their name actually on their plot. And neighboring plots had some lantana, which I'm growing right now. still looks good. And they had some moonflower vines as well. Another plot had some oregano and mint and hazelnut tree. I've never really seen a hazelnut tree growing, but this one's fairly small. I'll be interested over the years to see how mature it's going to be able to get. There's hoses and, you know, tomato cages and trellises were offered and pallets. It was just really kind of a neat thing. There was a actually a pallet of uh, river of river <laughs> river pebbles to help with the erosion problem because this area is kind of hilly there in Maplewood, and this hill was uh, just great. The chirping finches were all over the place, and they said to me, "Well, why don't you get moving on because we want to get in there and get some seed off some of the f- sunflower family that had already finished flowering and were offering seeds for the finches." But anyway, that's my good gardening stroll today. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, last week, end of October, and uh, your yard, I mean, the foliage on the trees is starting to brighten up a little bit. The maples definitely rule, I mean, so far, as far as the color goes. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see. The sycamores are already dropping a huge amount of leaves. And, uh, boy, I hope it's going to get a little bit brighter as far as the fall colors go. Let's head over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hello. How are you? Very good. How are you? Just fine. Uh, I have a question. I have, um, of course, invasive honeysuckle. Who doesn't? And I was told by someone that if I use Tordon on it, that that would, after I cut it down and paint it on, it, that works. Is that something good to use on it? Yeah, you can certainly use that. Is there any negatives to it? I mean, does it hurt anything else? Well, you know, we never know. I mean, for years there's been all kinds of, let's say, herbicides and insecticides and things like that that were used. And then finally, after a certain period of time, research and everything, find, oops, you shouldn't have been using that, blah, 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 blah. So, Right now, everything seems to be fine with it, but you never know what the future might bring. Okay. Would it be, is it better than using the um, poison ivy killer? Um, I mean, I don't think, I don't know if it's any better. I mean, we have, you know, so it's just a question of personal choice and the availability if you can find it. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it hard to find? Well, sometimes, yeah, I can, you know, I would say before you start going out to call ahead to your favorite, you know, garden center and see if they have it or, you know, wherever you plan, you know, you're planning on shopping. All right. Well, that's my job for this fall. (laughs) Just trying to get rid of it. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Sure. And I will forewarn you, too, that, uh, you know, the honeysuckle is totally invasive and has been really it's migrated from New York all the way basically to the, you know, the Rocky Mountains. It's not been able to climb up over the Rocky Mountains. But uh, when, with a lot of the settings, it's helping to control. I'm not saying don't get rid of it or anything else, 
but it's helping to control erosion. And when you take them out or kill them out, the erosion that, you know, if you're on a slope or a hillside or anything else may be, you know, let's say a lot worse than what you anticipated. So just stay ahead of the game. Prepare before you go after it to kill it, maybe with getting something in place of it, you know, whether it be a ground cover or something to help with the erosion circumstance. So, again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we got phone lines open. And uh, if you're getting any new trees, which the city is planting a lot of trees, you know, in the public parks, and I think that's really great. And they do, they have some of the corrugated uh, plastic pipe that they cut and then put around the base of it. And that's something that's really smart to do because that prevents any kind of rodents, rabbits, or whatever it happens to be uh, from chewing on the bark at the base of the, the newly installed tree because newly installed, you know, bark damage can really kind of uh, sometimes just mean, you know, that's it. And sometimes can just make the acclimation to the new location really a slow process. So give some protection if you're putting out new trees. And uh, other things that you should be thinking of, too, is just, you know, we've had some rain and everything else, but go out and you, I don't know, you know, in your particular neighborhood or anything else, but go out and dig around a little bit in your garden space or in your yard or whatever and see how much, how deep into the ground the moisture is because sometimes it rains and you think, well, I'm sure there's, you know, plenty of moisture in the ground, but there's truly not the case. And consequently, you may have to continue to do some watering. Usually by this time of year, the, you know, the yard is already well, you know, established as far as, as far as moisture goes and you don't have to worry about it. But this year has been sort of a little bit nutty than, you know, nuttier than usual, let's say. But uh, also, just remember your deciduous trees. You can, if you're planning on getting some trees, this is a perfect time to plant woody plant material. It's kind of getting a little bit late for dividing perennials. And uh, you can still do it because of the way the weather has been this year. But uh, in fall, the ground is warm, and that's the perfect time to plant any kind of trees or shrubs. Or if you're planning on dividing a tree, uh, you know, not a tree, but, uh, you know, some shrubs, let's say a colonizing type shrub like a lilac, and you want to take some of the stems and put them, you know, in a different location, just, you know, this is a good time to do it. So, I mean, don't hesitate. And because the ground is warm, and that means that's going to help trigger the establishment of the root system in the new location. And that's really crucial. That's kind of the disadvantage of planting in the spring. That's when we all get, we're sick of winter and we do a lot of planting, but the ground is cold because we're coming out of wintertime. And then consequently, it takes a lot longer for the plants to get themselves established. And get your uh, caladiums and cannas and elephant ears and bananas or whatever. Lots of people still, you know, we're finding out or I'm finding out just, you know, they leave their, a lot of their, let's say, tropical type of bulbs or plants in the ground and they just mulch over the top of them. And that's, you know, something that's kind of really important. I did, you know, all mine I grow in pots for the most part. So I've got all my elephant ears pulled out of the pots, the leaves chopped off and, you know, I'm letting them kind of dry so I can, you know, get them and bring them inside. And uh, my other, uh, I don't have my cannas. I've got four different kinds of cannas with just different kind of foliage. 
And uh, I've got those ready. I've got the pots into the garage. I wet. I wait till the pots dry out a little bit. Then I pull the tubers, which you know that's a can as opposed as opposed to a bulb. And uh, then I cut off the foliage, let them dry. Then I put them in paper bags and then bring them into the basement. So let's head over to Joan's yard. Hi, Joan. Hi. Hi. Um, is it too late to winterize my lawn with the winter winter white light? I'm sorry, I can't talk this morning. <laughs> you should be. It should be all right. I mean, it's getting kind of late, but uh, this year with everything, I mean, you just don't anticipate at Halloween for all the trees to be so full. And so that just means, I don't know if it's truly climate change or if it's just this year versus, you know, what's happened historically and everything else. But if you're going to do it, I'd do it pretty darn soon. And uh, okay. that way you don't want to force any kind of growth later in the season. And in theory, the winterizer is not supposed to do that. It's supposed to just, let's say, make your, your lawn healthy but not cause any new active growth that could be problematic. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you. Yep. And just follow the label instructions. And if you have to water it in, make sure you do water it in. Just don't leave it there because we don't know if you know rain or anything else is going to come. And uh, so just stay conscious of that for the most part because you got to follow those labels. And if you don't, the end results could be exactly what you A thought, but it might be, you know, <laughs> what you didn't think was going to happen. All right. Alrighty. Thanks. thanks, thanks. Joan. Yep. And now let's head over to Matt Yard. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hello. Well, that was real quick. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I'm growing some mandevilla vines this year, first time. And I'm supposed to get down in the 30s, so I'm thinking about bringing them in right away. So I'm going to spray them with the insecticidal soap. Okay. Uh, will that hurt the flowers? Because I'm made full of flowers. Right. Uh, you know... Just just be cautious, you know, where the, you know, where the flowers are. I know mandevillas have the flowers and the stems and everything kind of all there together. So it okay, shouldn't really hurt them. the leaves then. Don't get any on the flowers. Yeah, if, or minimize it if you possibly can. And also okay. spray the That's... underside of the leaves, not just the top of the leaves. Right. Okay, and then I'm going to soak the soil too. Right, exactly. And, and then the other question is, it looks like they're pot-bound because they've been really growing this year. It's the first thing that they were just in a small pot, and I put them in a bigger pot. Should you think I should uh, repot them when I bring them in, or should I just leave them in the same pot until springtime? Yeah, leave them in the same pot till spring because going through wintertime is, you know, sometimes they don't do so well as a house plant, even in bright location and everything else. I've had a couple okay, of years where they've done. Okay, that's all I needed to know. Thank you very much. Happy Halloween. Sure, same to you. Yeah, with Amanda Villa, I've had a couple of years where I've had pretty good success with them, and I don't put them in front of windows necessarily because we don't have any windows where we can, let's say, put a lot of plant material, but under grow lights. And uh, like I said, a couple of years they did fine, and then another couple of years they didn't do so well. So it just depends upon the individual situation and with the grow lights the lighting is you know st- you know it's, it's continuous so it's not like the sunlight or anything else i'm noticing a lot with my uh, mugo pine right outside the kitchen window i thought it already finished dropping all the interior needles that it was going to drop for this year but there's still some that are you know continuing to yellow and then brown and then drop and that's fine underneath it cuz uh, the plants that i have growing underneath the mugo pine 
you know, they like that. That's what I use for the mulch and everything else in that particular situation. And uh, other things that you need to be thinking about is, you know, I've read some things about, you know, it's not really a problem if you just let the leaves sit on your lawn, but that's not really the case. If they, if you get to the point where the foliage has fallen off the trees and it's thick enough that you cannot really see your lawn at all, then you you should get out there and rake it or use a mulching mower or blow it. Like <laughs> two doors down, Charlie, he blows the leaves off of his yard. And we live, you know, all of us live across from Christie Park, and he blows them back into the park where they came from. So it's kind of a battle in that kind of, you know, circumstance or situation. And if you've got uh, the cool season lawns are still growing, so keep mowing. Uh, set your mower height of about three or three and a half inches. That should be adequate. Uh, the zoysia, you know, mine at least is, it grows a little bit, but it's not growing very much. But I did cut it the other day. And one of the reasons why I cut it is because there was a quite a bit of leaves on the you know on the lawn, and I just I have a mulching mower, so I just mulched all the leaves, and that's certainly a way you can leave some of the leaves and not have to basically rake them, but uh, just keep this all in mind. Mike Miller, K M Wash Garden Hotline, will be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis K M O X. Yes, folks, we do have some phone lines open. If you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Spring bulbs, it's uh, probably a time where you can go ahead and plant them. I've still got mine. Again, I always put mine in containers and pots, but uh, probably I'm going to wait for another week or so, and then I'm going to plant mine. I have larger pots. And I always make sure that there's a couple inches between the edge of the exterior of the pot and where the first row of bulbs go. And then I just put a whole circle around. And uh, usually, depending upon the pots, you know, I put probably, let's say, 25 or 30 in a single pot. And then consequently, it works really well because then, you know, and I don't protect them or anything. I just leave them sit where they are in the landscape and consequently then it's really neat to kind of see them erupt in the pots. I've got some daffodils over the years that, uh, you know, I've grown in pots and I pull them out and uh, with the daffodils and then planted them in the landscape and uh, kind of in a, not necessarily where they can be seen by everybody that, you know, kind of walks by, but where we can look out the windows and actually see them. So let's head over to Andy's yard. Hi, Andy. And you told me to um, have a company come and put mole traps in. It's been three weeks, and they haven't caught anything yet. You know, apparently, if if they've got the traps out, the moles, maybe the activity of the moles or something is a little bit bad. But, uh, I mean, you that's just kind of the way it is. You can't guarantee, you know, that you're going to get the moles just because you have the traps there. So... I'm assuming that they know, and you knew that there are moles, and where are they put them? Are they have they relocated them, the traps? Yes, they have, okay. and they're like really expensive. Okay, well I'm, you know that's that's about all you can really do. So either that or just just kind of give it up if you don't want to do it anymore. Okay. And they're, so do you have any advice for us to do? Uh, 
You know, I mean, the traps are the most effective. There's, you know, things that you can inject. People say put, you know, mothballs into the, you know, into the tunnels because they don't like the smell of it. But are you still seeing new tunnels popping up other other places in your landscape? Yes, everywhere. Really? That just seems really yes. strange that they're not, they haven't caught anything. But, uh, you know, if it's more expensive than what it's worth to you, then just give it up and kind of decide or just live with the fact that you got the moles. And, I mean, you could go online and look for mole killer. There's this kind of, let's say, gel-type stuff that you can inject. And in theory, the mole smells it and thinks it's an earthworm and then will eat this gel stuff that you've injected into the tunnel, and that kills them. But uh, it's going to be an, sort of a if and 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 whatever type of process before you can kind of get rid of them. So our neighbors catching all the moles is they're using the same trap as trap as us, and we've caught none. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, why that's the case. I have no idea, because I mean, moles are moles, and they don't they tunnel towards the sound of earthworms, and that's what it's all about, and that's what you know makes them move. You know, those surface tunnels are the ones that they eat on. They have another tunnel that's below that that they go back to their dens to sleep and things like that. But uh, that's, I mean, if your neighbor's having success and you're not, why that's the case, I don't have any idea. Can you recommend any mole help, helper or a company? Um, not, I mean, just uh, go online and look at, uh, you know, some of the other, you know, people are going to come out and do stuff, but what they're going to do is set traps. They're not, I mean, for the most part, but you call, you know, just look at it, look at the various companies that are located locally and see what they might recommend. So thanks, Mr. Andy. Miller, you're the best. <laughs> Sorry you didn't get any success, and that's really kind of wild that your neighbor that's getting the traps is getting them killed. And you're not getting any, so you must have really smart moles in your yard. So thanks, Andy. And let's head now over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Hello. Hi. Hey, um, I uh, live out in St. Charles County, and um, they had a, a restaurant here called Timber Creek, had some Palmarias, and they had some fundraiser where I made a, a donation, and, and they drove my name. Anyway, I'm going to get this Palmaria sometime today what is that all about well that's a do you know what i'm talking yeah i'm assuming that's that's a tropical plant correct they had right they said i've got to get it in for the frost in the garage or something you know yeah yeah Yeah. so i mean basically you got to put it in front of a bright light i don't know what size pot it is but don't change the size of the pot and minimize Uh the amount of watering you're going to do during the winter time because they don't want to be overwatered, especially when they're in you know inside (laughs) Okay, so now if I put it in my garage, let's say we're going to get frost later this week, and uh, it maintains about the, the minimum of, you know, the coldest it gets about 40 degrees. Right. To let it winter in there over the winter and then bring it back out when the uh, spring comes, does that work? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, you, you don't could think try so. it if you want uh-huh. to. It was a fundraiser, but uh, in right. essence, there may not, even in front of a garage window, there may uh-huh. not be enough light for it. That's where oh, my I concern see. would be, not the oh, okay. temperature wise. You know, okay, I, I see that. All righty, well, 
Uh, it's been outside, so I've got to try to wrestle at home sometime today because I'm sure it's waterlogged. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. For, yeah. See if I'm uh, if I'm killing myself trying to get this thing to go, but yeah. we'll try it. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Just okay. be careful. I don't know how large the pot is, but it's going to be pretty darn heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a two wheeler. I just got to get it up oh, in my truck from the ground. So. We'll go from there. All right. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And now let's head over to Jen's. Hi, Jen. Hi. Hi. Um, I just wondered, wanted to ask you, um, I have these mites in my front yard or in the on my yard. And can you recommend like a spray or anything to get rid of them? They're like these little black bugs and they kind of are, they jump and uh, they have come into the house, and I have, you know, sprayed in the house um, with some Primo spray, and it's helping a little bit. But I'm still, I still have them. Um, I was wondering if you could recommend anything. Well, if they're truly mites, then you got to go to your favorite garden center and get a mite aside because that specifically goes after that. And generally, I, you know the. You know, this just—it's not a mite that I'm familiar with, but that's what you got to do if you're sure they're mites. If you, probably what I would do is I'd try to capture some of them and take them uh-huh. into your garden center and let them look at them before, because mites are basically a type of spider. So spider—you know—they generally don't jump, and they're not really all that easy to see. But uh, that's what I would you know, recommend is trying to get a couple of them, take them in, and if it is a mite, then basically use a miticide to get them under control. And it's really getting kind of, you know, I mean, we're getting near the end of the season, so if you're going to do it and it is a mite, I'd get it, you know, get the miticide soon and get it applied very soon as well. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, jumping mites, hmm, I don't know. But you sure it's not little bitty crickets? That would be my guess. But anyway, I know she's hung up, but... uh yeah, I mean, small crickets that have recently hatched, that would, you know, they jump for sure. And let's see, let's get another call before break. Let's go to Joyce's yard. Hi, Joyce. Hi, Mike. Take, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have some comments about the moles. Now, for first thing, in the Missouri Conservationist Magazine, they had a good article about them. It didn't say how to kill them. It just talked about them, you know, described them and their habits and all that. Um, I had a horrible problem earlier this year. I haven't had a problem this fall, but they were all over my yard. And I don't usually do the grub killer thing, but I'm going to start doing that. Just, I know they eat the worms too, but just having less there for them to eat might be helpful. So I'm going to try that. And my son works at a golf course, and he was trying to catch one recently that was going through places it shouldn't be and, you know, making trouble. Right. And so he moved the trap, and the next day the the mole had went around the trap. (laughs) And he couldn't believe it. And so they have a keen sense of smell. So if you have a trap that has killed the mole before, maybe it would be a good idea to clean it up before you put it in the ground. Yeah, and I would think a professional company would do that. You know, because that's the lady that had called earlier said, you know, she's been using him for three weeks and hasn't one mole hasn't been trapped. But uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's just a rarely I mean, it's a hit and miss thing. There's no getting around it. 
It's really aggravating, I can tell you that. I'm, I'm, the only thing that makes me glad for the winter is the moles will be gone. <laughs> well, they'll just be right. hibernation, not gone. <laughs> well, gone from my yard. Yes, that's <laughs> from true. From tunneling in my yard. <laughs> true. Thank, thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Bye. And, yeah, the grub control does help a little bit, but uh, grubs don't move, and that's not what one of the things that uh, you know, moles are attracted to, this, you know, the sound of movement. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, as you heard, if you were listening earlier for my Good Gardening Stroll when I took it to the community garden at Kellogg Park there in Maplewood, well, some of the people that have the plots, I mean, the raised beds and everything else, and you got to, you know, one specifically for you, have, you know, cleaned up the areas and that's great. That's what you should be doing, even in your own landscape. Don't let a lot of debris from, you know, plant material or let's say you just let some annuals die off or whatever it happens to be, just lay there on the ground because it just becomes an invitation for potential problems in the future. So keep things cleaned up. I do, you know, it's just, it's a little bit of a heartache, but it's going to save you a lot. And if you've got uh, some plant material that you're cleaning up and you know it's pretty much disease-free, then, you know, if you want to put it in a compost bin, you can. We have in the city yard waste dumpsters, and that's where most of my stuff goes because I don't really have an area for a compost bin. And uh, I get my compost from St. Louis Composting, of course. And now let's head over to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Yes, I was calling to find out. I, I don't know if this is the season or not, but I have a wisteria that's a good five years old, and I never can get it to bloom. What am I doing wrong? Stop pruning. Stop pruning? Yes. I mean, it goes all over my arbor. I can hardly walk through. I know. Just don't prune? Yeah, just don't prune. And a lot of times it's any place between three to five to seven years after they've been in, you know, they've been installed or planted before you're going to start getting the blooms. So this is definitely a time, I mean, as I know it's really aggravating and everything else, but, you know, if you know somebody in the neighborhood that has a wisteria, you can prune yours right after theirs has flowered if you're still not flowering. But ultimately, when yours starts flowering, you prune right after they flower, not before, because you may be potentially cutting off the flower buds. So just don't prune at all and wait until a flower comes. And then once the flower comes, then prune it. Yeah, after the flower's finished, you know, lost its color, the petals drop and everything else, that's when you prune. Okay, that must be what I'm doing because I'm cutting that that, that thing down like crazy. So (laughs) I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you very much. Sure. And, yeah, for anybody that doesn't know wisteria, it is totally a wild, crazy grower. So if you do get one yourself, don't plant it close to your house or to any building or structure that you don't want it to kind of wind and twine and, you know, get tangled up in. And Because it's strong enough as it ages that some of the stems and branches and stuff of this vine can, you know, pull arbors apart and everything else. So just be real careful and cautious. Let's head over to Kathy's yard now. Hi, Kathy. Yes, uh, I wanted to say something about the molds that the people are having because last year they just about destroyed my yard and then they started doing it again this year. I could not catch them with my traps, which I've had in the past. My son-in-law told me about getting this gasser and I went to a a handyman store that's got the giant destroyer, um, they call it, 
the super gasser, and it kills molds and gophers. I've used about six of those now, and I think I just about got rid of them. I I haven't had any problems right lately. Wow, that's wild. Uh, it's he said what he does is he at night he would push down any any uh, rays tunnels tunnels are are and a lot of them just gets holes up in the yard with a whole pile of dirt. But um, and he said in the next day he would look and if there was a new a new uh, run of them then he would put that gasser in it, and it has helped me. I mean, I'm not fond of using a gas thing, but darn it, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's because they were destroying my yard. My whole yard was just a run, front and back, and so I've, I think I've gotten rid of them, I hope. Right. So next spring. <laughs> so next spring. But uh, the, well, I do want to ask you, when is the right time to cut a box and a... I didn't understand what plant because it went through a bunch of static right then. Oh, a boxwood? Oh, basically, you know, I don't like to prune any kind of broadleaf evergreen going into wintertime. So as we okay. come out of wintertime, that's the time I, w- I would prefer to do it. And if you like and the boxwood, you know, you like some of them have fragrance, the flowers, and they're not really grown for the flowers. But let's right. say sometime after Valentine's Day, Ides of March, that would be the time I'd prune it before the new growth began. Okay, and what about the holly bushes? I know now's not the time because they got the berries on, but right. what is a good time? Pretty much, uh, if you got to prune the hollies, just be careful because you may be potentially cutting off future, you know, fruits. And if you're really growing them because you like the fruit, uh, I would kind of minimize the amount of pruning that you're going to do on them. Selectively hand prune. Don't just take a hedge trimmer out there right. and just you know make it into a cone or something. But what time is to do that in the spring also? Yeah, exactly. So, in other okay. words, before they flower. So, you're going to okay. you're eliminating this year's fruit for the most part, but uh they usually flower sometime in April. It's but, you know, oh, weather okay. dependent. So, get it done in let's say around mid-March. Oh, okay. Okay, thanks. Sure, my pleasure. And I don't think we can get another call in unless we've tried. Mary, can you do it kind of quick? Uh, well, yeah, I brought some houseplants in. I put them in my basement to winter. Uh, I only have a small east window. I put them under uh, not grow lights, just fluorescent lights. And I'm wondering, do I leave those lights on 24 hours a day? No, definitely not. You should just get a timer, and then uh, I run mine for about 14 hours, and then the timer turns off, and then it stays off for the next you know X amount of hours, and then comes back on. Okay, and a fluorescent light, just a regular fluorescent light will work? Uh, that's probably, it's not going to have the, it may keep them, uh, you know, prevent them from dying, but fluorescent is not the best. So let's, you know, you should just go and get some uh, f- uh, some grow lights. Okay, which will fit in a regular fluorescent light. Yes, exactly right. So Gizmo. Yep. Okay. Okay, thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And thanks for doing it quickly. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after the news. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. 
tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving that shortly. But right now, you can give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Brian, how's the color in your area as far as it's the trees? It's getting really pretty. All right. Yes. When you drive up from the bottoms to the top of the bluff now, right. the trees are beautiful. All right. Still a lot of green, but a lot of yellow mixed in, a little red. Yeah, it's it's really a pretty time of year right now. A little Absolutely. late, but we're yeah. getting there. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, How about you? Uh, same thing. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, we don't have a lot of spectacular trees in the park across the street, mm-hmm. but just the neighborhood in general. So yeah. It's nice to see. Yeah, it really is pretty. Yeah. So not cool. Maybe not quite as bright as it has been in the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. uh, that shows you what Mother Nature, they con- or she controls. She's in charge. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it'd be a great weekend. If you go down like the Bluff Road, like down where I live off Bluff Road, uh-huh. go down near Valmire, it's really, really pretty. And then if you're up north, go take a drive on the river road right. up to Grafton and that and right. Paramarquette, and it's breathtaking. Absolutely. And, of course, I'm sure the, the wine country looks nice, too. So, yeah, right. it'd be a nice weekend to get out and take a little drive. Yeah, and who knows how soon it's going to last or how long it's going to last because there could be a severe cold snap with the rain and hard mm-hmm. winds and pfft. You know, half of it could be gone. And usually we get that really strong wind that just empties the trees, you know. (laughs) And we got that last week or whatever it was when it got really windy. Uh Fortunately, most of the trees hadn't changed yet. Right. So the leaves stayed on. But, yeah, next time they may all go. So enjoy it while you can for sure. All right. Thanks, Brian. You bet. Yes. And, by the way, thanks to you for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs related annuals, your pansies, they still should be looking really, really good. Your bulbs, your summer bulbs can still be outside. You don't have to bring them in yet. I do have, I have personally brought all mine in and getting them ready to uh, get bagged up and go into the basement and where I put them underneath a, a kind of a workbench, dark and whatever circumstance. How about your ground covers? I always feel sorry for the ground covers this time of year when the foliage starts falling from the trees. Because a lot of times some of the ground covers get buried. What you can do is set your mower high and just go over the top of them. And uh, that's probably the best thing because you cannot really rake ground covers without just tearing them apart. Your house plants, if you don't have them inside yet, which I don't have mine in yet, but I've got them ready to go and they're going to be coming in with probably within a week or 10 days or so. Your lawn, your cool season lawn versus a warm season lawn, your perennials, your perennials have finished flowering and everything else and it doesn't have seeds that are attractive to the birds, go ahead and cut them down and uh, it's just and get the debris out of there too. Don't let the, anything just kind of fall there because you could, you know, create a problem with uh, any kind of fungus or, moth or mold or things like that growing. Your roses still looking halfway decent, not great, and uh, it's a little bit early to be doing pruning on your roses. Your shrubs, trees, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered to you to consider. Across the big board, Alex is producing today, so he answers the phone, pushes all the buttons, and everything else. During the week and weekends, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. Today, after the show, I'm heading out to uh, Chesterfield. And so if you'd like for me to come and we can take a look at problem-solving, aesthetics, or whatever it happens to be, uh, www.mikemillerdesigns.com on my homepage is my email address and phone number where I can be contacted. 
and we'll set up a time where I'll come to your home and I'll share 40-plus years of experience in the outdoors. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I had a real interesting last Saturday. Um, it's actually something that Tracy and I see a lot. It's at Rivas Barracks and Lee May, Lee May Ferry Road. And it, I always saw this, you know, great-looking place as far as the trees and the, the lawn and everything. And what this is is actually a very historic cemetery. It's St. Trinity Lutheran Cemetery. And the earliest grave in this cemetery is from 1863, so during the Civil War. And it was unbelievable. I think there's over 1,400, I believe, or 14,000 grave sites in here. And the neat thing is the rolling hills of this. And so originally the whole concept behind selecting this location, and I mean, in 1860, that was like a long time ago. So that was well away from, I'm sure, most or almost all the city, you know, the city of St. Louis. But they wanted to make sure there was an area that was going to be high and never got flooded. And so that's this is, as I went there for, you know, and walked around, and the neat thing is, too, is this, the actual staff is only two people, I believe. But there's other people that volunteer that help, and there's a, a board of directors, and they all are very enthusiastic about it. And it was really kind of neat to see what I was there for, is they just kind of wanted me to make comments on the trees and what you know what they were and how to change how to tell one tree from another like you know the red oaks the, the leaves on the red oaks have very pointed tips to the leaf and the white oaks have a rounded and so that's a very easy way to tell the difference and so they just you know ask comments and questions and things like that but that was really kind of a neat you know neat place to be walking around so i i totally enjoyed it meeting all the people and everything else. And as, like I said, it's, the rolling hills, it was just, I didn't realize, I know that's a very hilly area, but the way it just in this, you know, in this location, how, you know, how many different little dips and hills and things like that. So it made a, a very enjoyable, you know, basically, and tip of the trial goes out to them, to all the people that have kept it going so well. And uh, they've had to change, you know, some and get some financial help as a result of just the you know the world, but it really looks good. So a tip of the trial goes out to St. Trinity Lutheran Cemetery, which is located at Lime Ferry and Rivas Barracks Road. Uh, just a fun, nice place to be walking around. Let's get one call in before we take a break. Let's go to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hello there, Mike. Hey, I got a question about leaves. I have a cool season yard. I currently mulch my leaves on my yard. I was told that was good. But the big question is in my, I, I've got a uh, uh, huge uh, flower garden, like 15 by 60. What do I do with the leaves in there? Do I chop them up or just let them uh, disintegrate? Uh, just letting them pile up could cause problems. Is this a perennial garden space or is this a vegetable garden space or is it a combination? Uh, it's perennials, usually, and ground cover. It's an area above a retaining wall. I've got uh, 
uh, maple trees, pine trees in there, and and that's where the leaves are coming from. Right. Yeah. You, if you let them pile up too much, then you know if there's a lot of moisture during that winter time, either through snow, rain, or whatever it happens to be, some of your perennials could have a detrimental. It could be have a detrimental effect on them. From the you know basically the humidity will be too high. It could cause some. You know, let's say some rot or things along that line. So, if possible, I would say get up there and if can you get your mower up on top of the retaining wall? I can get my leaf blower up there and it's got a oh. chopping deal in it. I could probably cut them up that way. Yeah, I would probably I wouldn't let them get too deep because uh, that's where the trouble is. If it's just a thin okay. layer, you know that you're fine. But if it gets too deep, then it's going to be trouble. All right. So one quick one other quick questions I have. Uh, double knockout roses. They're on their third blush of the season. Uh-huh. Uh, I've trimmed them back each time after they blush to get rid of the the dead heads and stuff. Right. Uh, should I let them go through the winter, or should I trim them back one more time? You can prune them once more if you want to, or you can wait until we come out of winter time and prune them before the new growth begins in the spring. With the knockouts, okay. you can do it either way. All righty. Thank you. Have a great day. Sure, my pleasure. Now, if you got this, you know, the standard granite floors and floor abundance, the classic type roses, you got to prune them back in November. So that's a whole different circumstance than the shrub roses. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Very good. Hey, I've got a, a bit of an antiquated uh, method of getting rid of moles. A couple of beagles and a pitchfork. <laughs> <laughs> Works very well, yes. <laughs> yeah, but you have to be patient. Yes. You know, because sometimes the beagles will want to uh, get those moles and they'll want to uh, flip them up in the air and play with them. think <laughs> 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 they're a toy or something. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's just my comment on that. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. Yeah, it kind okay. of makes me remember when I was at the Botanical Garden, we weren't using traps at that time. This was in the, let's say, early, mid-70s. But uh, what I'd do is there was some in the Woodland Garden, and I would just watch for the t- – I'd watch because I was there working all day long so I could kind of keep my eye on it. And then if I'd see the area start popping up where the tunnel was tunneling, then I got a spade and I just popped them up out of the ground and yep. Uh, yep. took care of them. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Mike, you have a good one. Sure. Thanks a lot, Bob. Yeah, and it's hard to believe that uh, there was a time when moles, which are so tiny, which I I find it hard to believe, that that people would skin them and turn them into, like, you know, coats. I find that hard to believe, but uh, that's what I've read. Laura, how are you today? Hello? Hi. Uh, Yes, Mike. Um, I bought a a property, a, a villa. And all the shrubs had been torn out and everything, and I put in some new ones. But in the one area, and different people told me the lady had cats, and I bought a hydrangea. Well, I raked all the gravel up, worked up the dirt, added new dirt, and then planted the hydrangea in the middle of it. But the hydrangea looks like it's nearly been scalded. So I'm wondering if the urine in that soil is killing my plant. Uh, and what kind of how can I treat the soil? Yeah, it could be. I mean, what what urine really is 
is the, the major problem of it is high nitrogen. So it can actually get to a level, I would assume, after a while that could be detrimental to the root system of your plant material. So it's not like it's acidic or, you know, alkaline or this or that. It's a nitrogen quality of urines. And it's, you know, dog um, urine is, as well as cat urine is the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if... I don't know how long after this lady left did you actually put these, you know, put the hydrangea in? Well, she's been uh, out of there for over a year and a half, nearly two years. I would say but, then it's probably not related to that then so because it's well, all the rain and everything get... else, all the rain and everything else mm-hmm. during that period of time should have leached that out of the, you know, at least to the level that it wouldn't be problematic for a plant material. Well, when I was working the soil, I could hardly stand the smell. Yeah. I mean, it smelled like <laughs> cat, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I've got some cats in my neighborhood that use my front yard for, you know, what. And uh, it's like, oh. So there's there's nothing I can put in the soil to help get rid of that? No, not really. Other than I, basically, you know, if the hydrangea doesn't survive, let's put it that way, I'd really just uh-huh. run a hose out there at a trickle and just really drench the soil and try to leach this stuff out. Okay. 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 Thank you so much. Yeah. That's what I needed to know. Yeah. Good luck with that. But uh, hopefully your hydrangea will snap out of it when spring rolls around. Right. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And now let's go over to Wayne's yard. Hi, Wayne. Good morning, Mike. Um, was listening to the show. Didn't think I was going to be calling in, but as I'm working out in the courtyard today, I'm just admiring my geraniums. I've had an exceptional year with them in the flower boxes and the pots. Right. And any suggestions on how I might be able to keep that beauty with me uh, through the winter? Uh, basically, my grandmother for years, she just, you know, she had her uh, geraniums in, in the ground and some in pots. She pulled them up out of the ground and put them in pots and just took them down in the basement and uh, just put them in front of the basement. They have big stems. Some people try to grow them inside. You can try to do that. But a lot of people have called in and said they just virtually, you know, bring them in, you know, in the pots or put them in pots and just, you know, don't do anything at all. Now, the leaves and the flowers and all that stuff will not happen during the wintertime. But by the time they take them out in the springtime, it takes them, you know, a couple weeks or a month or whatever to finally snap out of it. But they have great luck with it doing just that. Wow, I'm going to give it a try. Good luck. I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> well, thanks so much, and I enjoy the show. Well, thank you. Yeah, my grandmother, she had some that uh, she only had. She lived in Richmond Heights, so the windows were the classic size windows and everything else. And uh she put some right in front of the windows, and, I mean, some of them actually flowered during the wintertime. And then other ones she just kind of, like, just sat on the floor there where there was no light hitting them, and they just kind of wilted down or looked like they were wilted, though the stems didn't wilt, and then put them back out. So I forget how many years that she did that, but it was amazing. So keep them away from the grow light, probably. Yeah, you don't, I mean, you could do a grow light if you want to. You don't have to, you know, just sort of let them go dormant because they can grow as, you know, inside. Okay, well, I'll give it a try. I appreciate it very much. Sure, my pleasure. And let's go now to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. Hey, uh, uh, this spring I planted some um, uh, some McFarland lilacs. They were about maybe two to three foot tall. And during the summer, they kind of kind of lost their leaves gradually. But 
about a, about three weeks ago, they started to bloom a little bit. So I I thought that was kind of weird. But uh, is it time to to trim them down, or should I wait a couple of years for the plants to get established? Yeah, I wouldn't do any kind of pruning on something that's been put in the ground for the first couple of years. So I would okay. just kind of leave them alone. And as far as far as the loss of foliage, lilacs in general have long stems with foliage just near the top. You know, not necessarily just the very top, but uh, so that's just their their tendency or their habit of just natural growth. And I would just oh. leave them alone. And if they, I mean, there's been a lot of things you know that have been flowering out of sequence this fall. So hopefully you got to enjoy them. Oh, well, yes, I did. And I also planted some forsias, Uh And they kind of gradually lost their leaves, but the top stayed up. The top leaves stayed on. Uh, do I apply the same, you know, management with that also with pruning? Yes, exactly. Anything, you know, that's been recently planted. So you just kind of want to leave as much stem as you possibly can because all the stems we're going to have flower or foliage buds for the future, and that's where the you know the food is made for the plant material. It uses sunlight and then nutrients and moisture up from the root system, and that's how it makes food chlorophyll, and that's how the plant gets bigger, healthier, and stronger, and be able to give you more aesthetics than what you're getting. Well, great. Uh, so one last question: This coming next spring, when it starts to bloom again, uh, do I trim off any dead? Dead uh, branches? Now, you know, yeah, definitely anything that doesn't leaf out in the springtime, just go ahead and get rid of it because it probably won't be on the, because they're relatively small, it won't be that much of a, an attractant to, let's say, potential insects or anything else or diseases, but it's just an aesthetic call. Okay. Well, thank you very much for the info. Sure. My pleasure. And thank now you. let's head over to Marion's. Marion, how are you? Good morning, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have planted a small hydrangea early this summer, and it flourished, but now I notice all the leaves have little tiny black spots on them. And I wondered if that could be uh, too much water. Uh, the, ba- the way you can tell if it's, you know, let's say a, f- a physical damage or if it's related to the water is just take your thumb and your finger and rub those spots that are black. And if it's a fungus-related type thing, then it's going to rub off. So okay. if it's physical, then it's going to be, you know, you can't get rid of it. So, in other words, there's been hail or there's been something, you know, an insect or something else that physically caused it as opposed to, worried about the root system if they if the foliage if the thing didn't wilt down if it didn't look you know horrible or anything else and the leaves are still rigid then it's not related to the root system okay good uh, oh it flourished all summer in fact Great. it even had a couple of small blooms on all it right. uh, so maybe um i'll hope for the best i have one other quick question regarding and i'm sure you've already addressed this the amaryllis bulb. I saved one over from last year, and I put it out in my garage. Uh, I didn't do anything to it. Is it time to bring it in? Yeah, definitely put it in a pot, bring it in, and you're going to see it'll probably take any, you know, put it in a sunny location, uh, water it initially, just make sure that you don't overwater it, and then uh, you're going to see the flower shoot or spike come up in the center. And that could be any place between four and six weeks before you're going to, you know, that's going to happen. 
but it is time to bring it in then. Yes, right. Okay, thanks, Mike. I really enjoy your show. I'm a long-time listener. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it, because if you weren't there, I wouldn't be here. Oh, thank you, Mike. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. If you have any questions or concerns, we have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones, and we're heading into Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hello, hello. Um, I would like to know if it is too late to put... Uh, knockout roses in the ground. I've had them on my porch, and <laughs> thinking I'd get them to, into the garden by now, and I haven't. So is it too late to do that? No. Basically, any kind of tree or shrub can be planted this time of year. Just get the soil ready, get a high organic matter com- you know, compost mixed into it, and a sunny location where it's not competing right. with any kind of tree roots or anything like that, and it should be perfectly fine. Okay, and get to it. Yes, Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> I mean, any, you know, is there a shrub, just like any tree and shrub, can be planted this time of year. So, uh, perfect Well, that's where I think I was confused. I didn't consider them a tree or a shrub, so I have. <laughs> well, great. Well, Thank thanks, you. Nancy. Yep, and let's go now over to Chuck's yard. Hi, Chuck. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to call. Uh, I didn't think I was going to call, but I called also just to um, thank you for the plug for our cemetery. Oh, <clears throat> My pleasure. Our church I go to, our, our church I go to is Peace Lutheran Church, and they took over the cemetery right. a few years ago. And we have a committee there, and they and they they take care of the the cemetery very well. I couldn't agree more. I right, thank you very much for the plug, sir. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's really kind of a neat place just to kind of go walking around. So, I mean, you can't beat it, and just knowing how long it's been there and everything else and why they chose that particular location, I was very impressed. Let's go now into Karen's yard. Hi, Karen. Well, hi, Mike. Good morning. Hi. I had um, recently gone out to uh, Colorado to visit, and I saw what was called a tricolor willow, and uh, they said that they grow very well there. And I was wondering what you thought about those um, right here in Missouri, because I can't seem to find them around me. I'm in O'Fallon, right. uh, Missouri, and um, I haven't found them anywhere. And I was just wondering if you thought that that would be uh, a good grower here. Uh, there's something called Tricolor Beach, which does fairly well here. But uh, Tricolor Willow, I'd be a little mm-hmm. bit concerned about it because just the fluctuations in our temperature and everything else, uh, that's where my concern would be. Okay, I just thought it probably would be all right, considering they were selling them like crazy in Colorado, and it's yeah. pretty cold there. Right. You know. But all like right. you said, you you're not going to find them here. You know, at the nurseries, you can go online and try one, and maybe you'll start a new trend where everybody's going to want to try color willow. Well, they're really quite beautiful. Yeah. They look floral on the top when there's it's nothing but the color of the leaves, and they're really quite pretty when right. you trim them up. That's so, what, you know, um, the Tricolor Beach does the same thing. It's kind of silver and maroonish. All right. How how large do they grow? Do uh, they're not going to be huge. So they're probably maybe 15 to 18, 20 feet and probably okay. a, a 10 to 12 foot spread. Okay. That's, that's 
That would be a nice size, actually, in my small yard. So, all right. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your help. And sure, I really my enjoy pleasure. Your program. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I mean, you might have to look around and find a tricolor beach as well. That's B E E C H beach. I will. I'll look around for that one then. Sounds safer. Thank you very much. <laughs> sure. And now let's go and see what's going on in Walter's yard. Hi, Walter. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I was uh, wondering what to do with my uh, milkweed. Ba- leave it alone. That's and they'll come back. Oh yeah, they're tough and durable. Uh, it depends upon you know which variety it is, but uh, they're native the to the region. So the less you do for them, as long as they were planted correctly and they you know they grew fine through the entire growing season. Best thing to do is just in the springtime, any stems that don't do anything at all, just cut those stems off, and the new growth is going to erupt from the root system. Okay, and and I had one more question, too, about uh, my elephant ears. They bloomed this year. Right, so did mine. That was I've kind never of seen an elephant ear bloom before. Is that <laughs> unusual? Or? Well, it's you know just it shows you that it was just a perfect season because I had quite a few of mine bloom, too, and it was like, I, I'd had them in the past, but not as many as, you know, as I did it, you know, basically this year all at once. Yeah, I had six or eight blooms in every plant, and they were just tremendous. Wow. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was. I didn't know if the plants were getting ready to go out to go down or no or quit or not. But no, okay, so they were just very healthy, huh? Yes, exactly, and perfect weather for them. All righty, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Mm-hmm. Bye. So perfect weather and also the, how you cared for them. That's, you know, set up the environment for them to do the flowering. Yeah, I was surprised. At first I saw it. I thought it was a leaf coming up. And then all of a sudden I saw it uncurl. And it's, it's kind of like a peace lily flower looking. So that shows you what family they're in. And now let's go over to Barb's. Hi, Barb. Uh, comment and a question. Uh, as far as the moles, uh, one spring I caught 17 with oh my, my traps. Uh, I will say if you don't get them the first day and a half or so, uh, you need to move the traps to a, a different part of the run. Yep. Uh, my question about trees, if my trees are 18 to 20 years old and uh, so much of the dirt is washing away from the uh, base of the tree that um, maybe three or four feet diameter, you know, that uh, will that hurt the trees? Uh, everything from elms to maples to birch, uh, I'm having trouble with. Yeah. River, no, uh, river birch. Basically, not because that, that close to the trunk where you're seeing, let's say, the root systems. Uh-huh. Those are not roots that are going to be, uh, at least that part of the root doesn't do any absorption of anything. So it's mainly the things that people worry about is the aesthetics. They don't want to see the roots. But the roots, as far as the tree goes, they could care less. Now, as long as it won't kill the trees. No. As I said, they're 18, 20 years old, uh, bigger trees, but so much of the roots are getting exposed. Right. Uh, I guess as the tree grows and dirt is washing away to an extent. Right. Basically, that's what happens. Because I mean, okay. and you can. I mean, okay. it's a little tough that even that close to the trunk to get any kind of you know ground cover growing in that space because it's like trying to grow ground cover on solid boards. No, but add, adding uh, more dirt to it is not the answer. No, because it's just going to wash away because you can't mix it in with the right, existing right. soil. So, I mean, a lot yes. of people, you know, cover them up with mulch 
And I mean, yeah, you have to replenish yeah. that on a routine or regular basis. But beyond that, there's nothing that needs yeah. to be done. That can get old. Uh, <laughs> other question: uh, Can you re- raise foxtail fern to, uh, well in the house that they don't shed so bad? <laughs> no, no secret to it, huh? No. <laughs> okay. Okay, I've I've had them before get quite huge, but they're they're quite messy also within a short time. Absolutely. Uh, so now, so, you know, anything that really doesn't like it inside, that's just you know that's just kind of the, oh, the uh, situation. Oh, foxtail, foxtail don't do don't like it inside, huh? Well, okay. not really. I mean, they not okay. necessarily going to be a hardy variety outside, but with our homes, the humidity, the light, and everything else, uh-huh. that's what is detrimental to them. Okay, doke. Thank you. Sure. And we let's see, get another call in, and let's go to George's yard. Hi, George. Morning, Mike. Hi. Hey, um, I don't know if you answered this question already today, but I've got a real nice-looking lantana in a pot, and I'd like to see if it would, what would be the best way to overwinter it so it just survives for next spring. Would it go dormant in a garage? Uh, Well, yeah, it's not going to survive in a garage. And lantana really really don't do well bringing them inside. I've got two really uh, yellow ones that are really kind of spectacular and still really looking very good. But uh, to try to bring them in, even under grow lights, I haven't had much success growing them under grow lights. So, I mean, you could try it in the garage and see what happens. But uh, my my guess is it's not going to do well. Yeah, I'm just trying to get it to survive. I don't care what it looks like. <laughs> well, we'll you, I mean, it yeah, just somewhere. Yeah, take it in, and if you can get it in front of a window, that would certainly help. Minimize the amount of watering because they don't really like even during the growing season. Don't want to be. They have to be well drained, the potting mix and everything else. So in the winter time, you just don't want it to get uh, totally, you know, let's say creepy dry. But uh, don't overwater at all. Would you cut it back pretty much? No, I would leave it alone and just realize there's going to be some leaf drop and and things like that. But just, you know, and then next, if it looks like they survive, what you can do is in the springtime when you're getting ready to move them outside, just cut some some of the stems. And if they're green on the inside, then that stem is still viable. And then you can prune them to make them thicker and denser. But overwintering in a garage, unheated garage, is the, is the no-go? Yeah, that's probably, that's a little iffy. I mean, unheated is probably not going to get you know below freezing. And if you keep them on, don't leave them sit on the floor. Set them up off the floor and just kind of keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll give it a shot and see what happens. Sure. Great. Thanks, Thanks Mike. George. Thanks. Bye-bye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones, and we're going into John's yard. Hi, John. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing today? Very good. How are you? All right, not bad. Mike, uh, a number of years ago, you did a walk and talk with us, and we had a newly planted tree. And you said uh, by identifying a uh, a dot of paint on the trunk that they planted it the wrong way. Can you refresh my memory on that one? Yeah, basically the, at the production nurseries, they put the dot on the south side. So in other words, that side has been more exposed to sunlight. So consequently, 
what happens is if they disorient that dot and put that around on the north side, now the side that was on the north wasn't getting the direct sunlight on the trunk as it as it was, you know, because it's turned the other direction. So basically what it does is just prevents sun scald on the bark of a newly installed tree. So when you plant, put the dot on the south facing south. Right, because it's the south side has been it's kind of like sun. You know, sun on your arms, your arms are exposed, so they're gonna not get sunburned. But if you take your shirt off, you haven't had your shirt off you're going to get potentially sunburn, and that's what happens. That side of the tree where the dot is is used to the sun, so it doesn't get sunburned, you know, slash split bark or anything like that. If it's the north side been disoriented and turned around to the south, it's not used to getting that direct sun hitting it, then it gets sunburned. Got it. I thank you. Enjoy your day. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's see. where. Let's go to Laura's yard. Hi, Laura. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, <clears throat> I was going to tell, uh, I have a question and a comment. The guy that called in about the geraniums, I have, my mom would overwinter just like you did and your grandma did, uh-huh. but my, I had a friend that would take them out of the ground, knock all the dirt off of them, hang them upside down on a nail in her garage, and in the spring she would plant them and they would bloom. Wow. It was just the wildest thing. I just never thought it was possible. So that's, that's what she did. But um, anyway, I bought two uh, concrete pots. They're in the shape of an urn, and it's uh, dyed concrete. And I have planted them twice with identical plants in both, and one pot just kills the plant. Got any ideas? Hmm. No, not really, to be honest. Unless the one plot is it the same? You've had this happen more than once. Yeah, it was just this year that I planted them for the first time. Oh, okay. Put brand new soil in them, and the same exact plant, mandevillas. One's just going crazy. The other one died. So yeah. I went back. Change the dirt, put new dirt in, put a new mandevilla in, mandevilla died. Hmm. I don't think it's probably a dye that you're concerned with. It's just maybe, the, you know, the one, for whatever reason, got planted too deep. So just make sure in the future that you plant it, you know, at the correct elevation. In the pot. In the pot, right. Don't bury the stems or anything at all. Make sure the top of the roof, the crown of the plant is a little bit higher than the surrounding soil in the pot. Well, I was going to say on the second one, I left it in the original pot and put it inside the pot, the, you know, so it really, and it still died. Hmm. So same thing. Yeah. My guess is, yeah, it's just like, you know, too much moisture on the one for whatever reason. Make sure the drainage hole and everything is there and working mm-hmm. so it doesn't get clogged up. But beyond that, that's about all you can do. Okay. All right. I thought maybe there was a chemical or something that you were aware of that makes it that way or something. No, it shouldn't be. I mean, hopefully the company that made these are going to use a product to color the pot that doesn't have an impact on the plant material because they're basically shooting themselves 
you know, in the foot well, as far true. as our business that's goes. That's a good point. Good point. Okay. Well, thanks very much. Sure. Enjoy your show. My pleasure. And let's see if we can get another call. Matthew, can you do it kind of quick? Yeah, good morning, Mike. How are you? Good. Mike, I got two rosemary bushes, and they're about 36 inches tall, and they're quite bushy. Can I trim them back or, or shape them up this time of year? Yeah, you can. And, uh, you know, the rosemary, I'm assuming you're going to grow them outside. Yeah, yeah, I brought them in. I got them in a pot, and oh. I got them in my garage. I brought them in and uh, for the winter, you know. Okay. Yeah, Can I keep them outside all during the winter? Well, I mean, if the winter's not severe, they do okay. If it uh-huh. is severe, then they get killed off by the cold temperatures in the wintertime. Uh-huh. But I leave mine out, uh, you know, I grow them in, indoors for a couple of years, and now I, then I move them outside, and then f- until, the, like, you know, we have that one severe winter, which kills them off. But for the most yeah. part, they do okay outside. I'll be there. Well, can I trim or shape them up this time of year? Yeah, you can, but... Uh, just be careful you don't cut you know cut them back too severely. I know they get bushy and everything else this time of year. But you leave yours outside during the winter time. Yeah, I grow them inside for a couple years. I get them like when they're you know sold at Christmas season as more or less a rosemary Christmas tree. Yeah, that's true. That's right, right. And then well, I uh, never tried it outside, but uh, I brought them in. I got them in big pots and. Uh, so I'll, I'll try that next year. Just leave them out then. Yeah. Okay, Mike, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And just okay. make sure when you have them inside that you don't overwater them because even outside they don't want to be overwatered because okay. all the herbs. Okay, I hear you. Fine. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay, great. Good luck with that. And sorry to everybody else. We're not going to have any time to get to you. So maybe give us a call early next week and we'll make sure that we get your call on air. And uh, just... Oh, wow. This is going to be a real interesting thing. Happy Halloween to everybody. Just enjoy the decorations and everything. And many people are not going to be, you know, out wandering for trick-or-treats and things like that, not like the days of old. And uh, trick-or-treat for UNICEF. I wonder if they're still doing that. Mike Miller, KMWorks Garden Hop. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? 
then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.